Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 51 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr Glenn Panaho on the show with us today. Glenn played prop forward for one of the world's greatest rugby teams ever, 1998 to 2003 with the Australian Wallabies. Glenn now leads culture and safety with a leading civil construction company in Australia. I am so looking forward to this conversation covering excellence in sport and business. Let's get into the episode. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brad. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Glenn. It's, um, mate, I, I remember watching you many a time growing up, and it's um, so great to be able to connect on this side of business to help others at the moment, mate. Yeah, but, I it's, a weird. it's a bit weird when you get an intro like that because um, you sort of forget what you're a part of and... Um, I suppose the older you get it, the nicer it becomes. You know, it was good times, mate. It was a hell of a journey, that's for sure. Yeah, you gave me some of the biggest thrills and moments in sport that I've ever had in my my time watching sport. So, Glenn, but what is the backstory, mate? Like, where did your love for rugby come from? Like, how did you end up in that, mate? Um, it's sort of um, it's a pretty simple story, really. I was, I was born young. Certainly was, mate. Like I'm, I've had a nephew that went to that school too. We're talking nudgy, aren't we? It's a good. Yeah, we are. We are talking nudgy. You know, it's a, it's a proud rugby school, and uh, I, I didn't quite grasp what it was all about when I got there. It was this amazing school. It had a lot of, uh, a lot of rugby history with it, uh, and to be a part of it and to, to write your own sort of chapter and be a part of what you achieved was, uh, yeah, it was mind blowing. And, um, it, it really set me on the course. I, I think. Yeah. And Glenn, what like what did you experience, mate, in the whole leadership and excellence side? I guess even from Nudgy, but then going into play with the the team that you played with. Like this whole episode and show is about, you know, excellence in organizations and you know, a school and a, a rugby team is an organization. But what was it, mate? What was it that you got taught and that really you felt set that team from ninety eight to two thousand and three apart? Oh, there's no doubt that team. Um, there's a couple of things actually. It helps having probably three or four or five of the best players in the world in the position. 
there's no doubt about that. But um, if you had to pinpoint um, one thing, we had great leaders um, as part of the team and we had a great culture. Um, you know, it's not just too dissimilar. They talk about the All Blacks and saying, you know, they, they clean the change rooms, they do everything else. But, you know, Rob McQueen had this philosophy. It was we, not me. Um, it was always about the team. It was always about um, making sure that everything we did was for a common purpose, for a common goal. Um, you had standards, you had values, um, it was entrenched, um, you know, without being too crude or crass about it. And there was a no-dickhead policy, um, you know, and, and that's what it was. There, was. there was plenty of guys that had a lot of talent at the time, um, but they just didn't fit the culture of the team. Therefore, we just didn't pick them. Um, not that me didn't pick them, but the, the, the powers that be just said, no, you're not going to fit into what we're trying to achieve. And um, that set the course. And... And another thing, too, is we just had a lot of competition for spots at that particular time. You know, there was, um, we were very strong in, in a lot of positions. So, but it definitely came down to setting that tone from the leaders, from the head, uh, right at the top of the head of the organisation, right through to the leaders. You know, uh, we had strong leaders, John Eels, Tim Horan, George Regan, um, you know, Dave Wilson. There was just these magnificent leaders in the team that um, set the culture and, and set the values that we, we stood for. Wow. And so really summarising it, Glenn, what I heard is you said that you had a we, not I culture and there was a clear set of values and principles or, you know, purpose and goals that were just owned and led by, it sounds like really anyone in the team because you named about five people and I know yourself exudes that too. It sounded like there was a lot of informal leadership leading that as much as the senior coaches and leaders. Yeah, very much. Well, you, you picked for that type of person in the, in the team, so it was, it was very much like for like. Um, you know, you still still had the opportunity to be yourself and grow, but um, it was more about having that common goal um, of what we wanted to achieve. There was very, very clear, um, I suppose, missions, purpose. You know, when, when you move into business, you, you, you have these catchphrases that sit with what you'd learnt in sport at the time. So, um, you know... When you've got everyone heading in the same direction, it's, it's very, it's very simple. Yeah. That, well, you certainly achieved some great things. Like, what was the highlight for you, mate, of the achievements of that team through that era? Um, yeah, it, it is. I, I think the 99 World Cup was obviously, um, it, it's amazing. You look back on your career now and it, I had to have so many highs and so many lows. Um, you know, injury plagued me a fair bit in terms of um, things and um, in, in, Times, you know, I was supposed to get my first run on in France and I tore my calf in the lead-up game, France A, and I was supposed to play at Stade de France in 98 and that postponed things. But, you know, things happen for a reason. But um, I think there's no one achievement in it. Like, if you go through, and it's really weird looking back on it now, but, you know, 98, we had the blitters loaded 3-0, which I think we were the first Australian team to do. Um, it was the 99 World Cup that we won. There was the... One of the greatest games we've ever played in was at um, Stadium Australia in 2000 when we actually lost to the All Blacks in that, that last minute when John Lomley scored in the corner. Um, you know, it's the first time I've ever walked off the field apart from being absolutely pissed off we'd lost. Um, it's the first time I've ever seen New Zealand supporters come up and congratulate you after the game saying they witnessed one of the greatest games. And I remember being, we were down 21-0 after 11 minutes. And it was 24 to 24-all half-time, but never once did we lose our direction of composure. Um, there was a British Lions win um, as well, too. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, 
you know what was what was the best. But playing in front of your home crowd at Brisbane um, was always was always a buzz uh, at Suncorp Stadium. Um, it's hard to imagine, but you know back then the crowds were phenomenal, and, and the people were, were just just brilliant, brilliant supporters, everything. Yeah, you certainly, and you had a lot of Queenslanders in the side too, which was it was a few of them, wasn't there? Yeah, no, there was. I was very fortunate. I, I played a lot of um, sort of one one state and one club, one sort of um, at a bridge so I right there somewhere else when Dad was coaching. But um, you know, we had our um, it was just a, a journey where we played with these guys, um, and, and basically you just knew instinctively um, who they were, where they were doing, and, and sort of what page they were on. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, Glenn, I know you and I caught up on business side of things and, like, I really enjoyed the conversation when we had it, just hearing how much you've taken from your learnings of leadership and best practice in sport and then brought it across to now in the business world. And, you know, you and I caught up and had that conversation. It was just amazing. You know, I gained as much as anything else. Mate, what, what are those key elements when you talk culture and um, safety and everything that you're leading within the civil industry, what are those key elements that you think really cross over? It, it, it's really weird because um, I think this is a hell of a lot to learn um, from sport, especially played at elite, at elite level. Um, the difference with sport at the elite level is you've got motivated people um, that really do have a common goal. So you're not so much focused on motivating people to be the best because elite sports team, you're looking at the one percenters and, and it's brutally competitive. Um, and you've got to be at the top of your game and you're always playing with motivated. Um, I found it really a bit easier in the field um, working with people who just have to, to do what they're doing, you know, and you've got to make the job fun and, and, and basically enjoyable. because um, at the end of the day the common purpose is to make a buck. I really think it's, it's, it's about thing. But succeeding in the two um, very similar. I think you're definitely in, in business. You've got to have your goals. It's not. It's not just similar. Uh, you've got to be setting yourself on where you want to be in the market, what you want to achieve, and what you want to achieve as a business. Uh, if you don't have that, then uh, what's the old saying? You're going to achieve what you set out to do because if you have no goals. You've got nothing. You're going to achieve nothing. Um, so having goals is, is very important. Um, uh, you need to have um, values and culture um, very similar. Um, and that's been a real focus for me. It was amazing um, how when I came into this business here, um, we, we had, a, I suppose, a view from the outside looking in that we were being unsafe, that we didn't have a good culture. Um, you know, we were a bit of surfy bums from the Sunshine Coast. But when you've got a leadership team and Ray and Jeff at the time that wanted to change it, it was hard work. But you know, we spent about three years of the journey. And it was about getting them involved with what you were trying to achieve. You can walk in there and throw the stick around, but in my opinion, it doesn't work. You've got to have buy-in. And if they actually understand and see what it is you're trying to achieve and you show them what it looks like to be winning, um, then they get it and they want to be a part of the journey. So playing to win, um, I love that side of things because it's the competitive nature that I already have. Um, So setting little goals within the business about what to do and then celebrating those wins. Uh, just like winning the World Cups, winning all those things, and, and share those victories with your people. And most importantly, have fun on the journey. And the last thing, um, the essential part of that is, is the leaders 
to, to, to guide the team um, in the success and, and setting those goals. Uh, they're, they're very similar parallels to business and sport, um, which, you know, in my experience, we've implemented successfully in the business and that's led to, to where we are today. Yeah. Glenn, there's an interesting um, topic in there that you spoke about, you know, because I really value what you said, mentioning about how you've got to have your goals, you've got to have your values and your purpose and your cultural bit. You've got to have the, you know, the, the whole team buying in piece. But you mentioned their motivation that in sport, a person's coming into the team motivated from the moment they draw passion on being a rugby player or draw passion on being a cricket player and they want to make it to the Australian team or they want to make it to the All Blacks team, it could be. What do you think, Lens, a key in business? What have you seen that can work in business to build that level of passion and motivation? You mentioned fun a few times. Yeah. I struggled with it, to be honest, because when I first came back um, from professional sport, to the business world. Um, I, I remember speaking to one of my colleagues and I said to him, now, what's wrong with these people? Why are they here in business? And he goes, Glenn, they've showed up for work. And I said, what, you're happy with that? And he goes, yeah. And I went, bar. I said, is the bar really that low? And I said, why aren't they turning up to work? What is the critical question that they're not wanting to be here to achieve something? And just in my experience anyway, it was because we didn't include them as part of the team and we didn't show them what they were a part of to make us great or better. Um, inherently, um, they, some people might need to be shown that and they don't feel that they're valued um, in whatever way. So it's, in, in my opinion, it's just about getting the best out of people that they can be and not everyone will be um, the ultimate you know, sportsman. Not everyone will be whatever, but if they can be the best they can be and can have a bit of fun along the way, um, it, it goes a hell of a lot, but you've got to create that. And you've got to work on it. It's, it's the little things. Um, you know, when I started in this company, we had 120 to 160 people. I knew every single person in the business. Um, I started off as a safety advisor, which at the time I didn't know what that involved, but basically it was a large run and ladder and you were hated <laughs> and you walked on the site. Um, but I didn't know that and I didn't know any better. And, you know, I just walked around happily saying hello to everyone and just getting to know them. You know, I got told to piss off a few times, what are you doing on my site? But, you know, pretty soon they learned whether you were genuine or not genuine and they found out that you were actually genuine and you actually cared about them. And, um, you know, you got to know their names, you got to know their wives' names, their kids, the dog, um, and they, you were genuinely there to say hello and care about their well-being. They actually wanted to engage with you and that engagement, um, can't lose that. We're 700, nearly 800 strong now. Sad to say, I don't know everyone in the business, but we've got a fair sort of high, but we, we can never lose that, 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 that personal touch, um, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. It's quite an interesting topic because I, I think when you think about a rugby or a sporting team, of course the players are going to be involved and there's going to be a lot of collaboration because you've got you know, the players are experts, aren't they? Like when you went in as a prop forward, you're an expert as a prop forward. But I'm guessing sometimes in business, maybe we lose we lose that touch to know that the people we have on our front line, they're experts too in what they do. And the more we can involve them is what you're saying, build trust and that connection and involve them in the business goals, direction, challenges, 
and create that yeah. teamwork, that's the secret. It, it is, it is. And with that trust, I suppose, it becomes anyone that hasn't been involved in an environment like that becomes the, um, the concern or worry that you, someone's going to go rogue on you. <laughs> so, but it's not until you actually understand the power of involvement, consultation, and then handing over, like as you become a bigger, you, you can't be across everything as you move. Business becomes stronger. You have to rely on the great people. But to rely on those um, people, you have to have strong leaders that understand that. Um, you know, my own direct report, Ray Shadforth, you know, said to me, Glenn, you, you've, got to, you've got to do it and train people so you're out of a job. And I never got that. I could never understand what he was getting to. But it's about basically training those underneath to do the job, allowing them to do their job and supporting them to do their job. Um, you're just a mere facilitator by that stage. Um, you should be wanting them to be better than you. You should be encouraging them. You should be supporting them to be better than you. And then you should be out there looking talking to people like yourselves and others that are going to help you grow and be better um, at what you do because, you know, that's what we were given at the elite sport. Without knowing it, we were the most competitive, most elite. But, you know, we had amazing people coming and speaking to us. We were looking for that 1%. We were looking for half percent. Um, we're inherently that competitive. You know, if someone was doing a session or a gym session, you'd go out and do another one behind everyone's back. Um, you know, it was just that competitive. But um, it's not too dissimilar, but it's not for everyone when you get the business of that size. Um, you've got to appreciate their priorities are different. Um, but you want the best out of them. But you've got to give them that environment where they can be the best they can be at what they want to be. And that's huge, mate. I think you've just given us a second key insight here and i've heard it from another guest too peter hines so if, if i summary mate we're going okay involve people your people in the business and help them set up help them be involved and help them create their own footy field in a way create their own goals and their own link to the purpose and link to the values and link to everything in the team to create that trust and teamwork and then the other thing it's create a constant learning culture is what i guess what you're saying that constant how do we improve in the direction that we want to improve and help people improve and develop it for the business, but also for themselves. Is that right, oh, Glenn? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and, and it, it's very much, you know, there's lots of things there. There's the employee engagement. It's, it's giving them a better employee experience. Um, it means different things to different people. Do you understand what I mean? Um, so that's the difference. Um, I think sometimes we get too caught up in potentially what we think is the right way to do things when it's the furthest from the truth. You don't know what's you don't know what their background is. Um, um, getting employee feedback and actually understanding where they want to be, but at the same time, they have to be respectful of where you're heading as a business too. Um, anyone that's ever left this business, um, you actually they're your best advertisers for you. Um, you know, and some people we just don't have the space for them to grow um, to be better than what they are. But what you do want them is going to the next job and saying, "Hey, listen, that 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 company, that Shadforth man, they're amazing people. They got us to be the best we could be, and we just couldn't go any further." But I'd recommend anyone to go and start in that company. You know, um, and by the same token, you know, you want to be able to still provide your people as they grow in your business um, the ability to get better, um, and, and that's what it should be all about, in my opinion. Yeah. So involve them and help them improve and get better for themselves and for the business. Uh, Glenn, I've just lost you there for a minute for some reason, mate. Um, 
you there? Yeah, got you back. Oh, sorry. I don't know what happened there. That's weird. I'll just... Yeah. Oh, it might be. I'll just go back to that question again, mate. How's that? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me all right? A little bit quiet again, mate. No, I don't know what's going on. Is it all right now? I think we'll get through with that, yeah. Sorry. I'll maybe I'll move more side this way. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think so. Okay. Sorry about that. I wonder why the volume just dropped off. That's weird. I don't know. No, it's dropping off again. Um, I don't understand why it's doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Maybe I just got to speak louder. Well, it came. That's good. Okay, Glenn, let's do that. So, Glenn, in essence, mate, you're saying there's two. We're talking two things here. It's involve them, and then yeah. help them develop and grow for themselves and for the business. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the two parts that I, I find is very much understand what they want to do to grow as people and what goals they have. It's it's no different from both life. But you know, if you look at how much time they spend at work and how much part of the life it is, it's they're really extended family in terms of what they do. It's taken me a fair while to understand that um, because, you know, each of us have different perceptions, but it comes through learning, in my opinion, and, and dealing uh, and listening to, to people to share their experiences and, and talk about how to get the best out of people, get the best out of yourself. I think that's amazing insights, mate, like especially when you talk about that difference from sport to business because I've heard that said before, oh, Brad, people in sport they're naturally motivated you know they want to be the best they want to be in that team but like you say mate every employee is putting most of their daily waking life into work and so if you can if you can take away those two tips that you're giving all our listeners which is we'll involve them in the journey of the work and involve them in the business and then understand where they want to grow and develop as a person but also how that links to the business and then train and develop them constantly. You're going to have, you're going to get, get uplift, aren't you? Oh, that's the goal. <laughs> it's not easy. It sounds easy. <laughs> I promise you, but they, they, you learn every time. But, um, I think as you get bigger as a business, um, you are protected a hell of a lot by your processes. And then again, um, you know, the, the difference between being a 150 people business to a 300 to a 600 to an 800 um yeah there's a lot of safeguards that will be put in there that's for sure yeah i'm guessing too glenn on that your frontline supervisors become key don't they like they're, they're the ones that are out there with teams all over the place i'm guessing oh glenn i lost you again mate sorry i couldn't agree with you more that's exactly what it is 100 yeah. percent uh, are you key? And then, you know, again, it's just do not lose contact um, with those frontline people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Hey, Glenn, what, who are some people who have inspired you along the way, mate, with this knowledge that you've got? Like this, this conversation we're having is amazing based on both sport but business, but who have been those people that have inspired you with that? Man, I get asked that question a lot. Um, it's, there's a couple of key points in my life where I, I, I I came in really inspired. One was I remember my dad pulled me out of bed when I was seven years old. And um, it, it's so clear even today that um, he pulled me out of bed to watch the All Blacks play Wales at Carter Farms Park in 1977. 
I think it was 1977 or 1978. I think I was about seven years old. And I watched Andy Hayden jump out of the line-out at the last minute and Brian McKetney and kick the goal to win the game. And I, I just sat in my head and I said, I want to do that. I want to go and play at friggin' Carter Farms Park. As it turns out, it was where they won the World Cup in 99. But I remember going over there about three years earlier, um, playing, I was standing at Carter Farms Park and I rang my dad. Didn't have mobile phones then. But I rang him on the phone. I said, Dad, I said, you'll never guess where I am. I said, I'm standing at Carter Farms Park. And, you know, I could almost hear his voice, you know, sort of quivering. So, so Dad's been a massive influence um, on my life and, and given me the opportunity. But as I grew, um, it wasn't so much people. Uh, I suppose it is. The people that really influenced me were people I'd call my mentors. And, and what they are is people that I look I admire how they live their lives. And there's different people in my life. Um, you know, when I was um, a bit lost and sort of left school and didn't know what I wanted to do, I had uh, one gentleman who, when I was studying law and, and working in a law firm, um, he taught me discipline. He'd get me out of bed and make me come into work on a Saturday. He wouldn't pay me. He'd sit me in front of the reading newspapers and going to auctions. He taught me about life. And I just valued those what he taught me, you know, made me dress up in a suit and turn up to work. Um, there's old coaches, Paul McLean, um, the wise old head. Um, I, I look at more the people who I see in my life or see around me that have wonderful qualities and how they hold themselves. And um, I, I take strong advice from those people. I seek advice from them. So, you know, those are the main things that have helped me, that's for sure. Yeah, neat. It sounds like there's been some good ones throughout the time. I love that story with your father too. It's amazing how fathers can inspire their children, isn't it? And it, it's like, I guess you don't know what the moment's going to be, but your father vir- vir- really triggered something there with that that match. Oh, it's just incredible. Like, you know, like, oh, young kid. It, was, it was just a point in time in my life that's still as clear as day. I remember yeah, wow. And Glenn, with, with that, mate, on everything we've spoken about today, what would be the tip that you'd give other leaders looking to improve their organisation, drawing from sport? What would be like a two-minute tip you'd summarise up for them? As in... What, should, what do you think would be the key focus for business? From what you've learnt from sport, what would be a two-minute tip you'd give to leaders? Ooh. Um, I... Personally, is how to how to understand what they want to achieve um, and be very clear on it. And then once they have clarity on what it is they want to achieve, the how is quite simple. And then it's about how do you bring those people on the journey with you, because they will make you successful. Um, but if you don't, like rugby was really easy, and 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 what we achieved because. You've got a football game, you've got all these trophies around the world and you've got a set of rules. <laughs> so, you know, when when you say, what do you need to do? Well, you just had to work out what do I have to do? So your pathway to get to the Wallabies is you had to play A-grade football. You had to be the best at A-grade and then you got picked for Queensland. And once you got picked for Queensland, you got picked for Australia. And once you got for Australia, you wanted to win the Bledisler. And once you won the Bledisler, what did you want to win? You want to win the World Cup. Then you want to dominate world rugby. So... For, for leaders, it's not similar. If you choose whatever you choose to do, what do you need to be if you want to be the best? And that's the critical question. If you want to be that, what's what's the pathway to be that? And then once you've got that mapped out, it's you may not be the best person for it, but go find those great people out there that will 
if you lack those skills or you lack um, something there, find the ones that will fill that void. And it's very rare you have that all-rounder that's great at everything, but um, what you do is you surround yourself with those great people, make sure that they understand what your vision and what your goal is. And when they do, and when you empower them and consult with them and get them to own that goal as well, um, it would be a very powerful organisation in my opinion. Yeah, that's awesome. So first of all, you've got to set what is that journey and what are the stages we've got to go through and what does excellent, the goal of excellence look like and then bring the people around you to help develop them to get there. Yeah, it's amazing how you put the terminology around. It wasn't until I started and, and a bit of um, you know, personal development myself and being involved in the queue, um, you know, listening to, to key speakers, listening to people that are, that are very good business leaders, um, start hearing this terminology like you just suggested, but it's exactly what it is. Yeah, nice, Glenn. Thanks, mate. It, my job's easy, mate. I get to listen to people like you and then just summarise it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Mate, what, what's, I, I always ask a question of guests, Glenn, but it's, it's a, just a simple one, which is what's been something you've learned recently, mate, that you didn't know before? What's been a recent insight you've had that's helped you learn and grow? Oh, for me personally, um, I think if I was asked two things that I've learned recently, one is um, how to be vulnerable. Um, you know, you, you come from this big macho world um, in rugby and prop where everything's confrontational. Um, you're basically trying to belt the shit out of each other and it's very upfront in your face. Um, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable. Um, you know, with three daughters and you know, that's been testing, to say the least. And I think the other thing that I lacked a hell of a lot of was empathy um, and emotional intelligence. I mean, I know they're all catchphrase words and everything, but, um, you know, just understand that... Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world out there. And, um, you know, it's amazing um, how empathetic you can be to people's situations and, and other situations within the business. And that's just for me personally. Uh, they were two things that I, I feel I lacked and I had to work on pretty hard. And um, I, felt, I feel a hell of a lot better for it, that's for sure. Uh, it's amazing advice, mate. And you hear how much is happening in even sport with that side of vulnerability and empathy at the moment. You know, I don't know if you... You know, Richmond, you hear Richmond's tale and what Ash Barty's just done based around. That was amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> you got to love it. Oh, she's, she's just inspired. At 26 years, is she 26? Oh, I don't know. So she's young. She's young. For her to have that insight and the words she spoke about, I never And I just thank her for the way she holds herself. I, like, I mean, I look at her and how she's holding herself and I look at how those clowns are acting. You know, um, in other sports, um, with the way they're breaking COVID breaches and that, I just go chalk and cheese. If you want to know how to hold yourself and be a winner and how to stuff things up for other people and create a bad culture, there's chalk and cheese right there. Yeah. She's a real, real, uh, got a good head on her shoulder, shoulders, Ash Barty. And she's, I, and I know too, mate, I, I listened to a podcast on the weekend of someone who's helped her. And, you know, she's gone. She's actually, even though she's so strong and we look at her, she's so amazing. She has constantly sought development from what I've read and heard. Like She's not someone who's sitting on her laurels going, I've got it now. She's constantly learning and developing and seeking help. You don't win grand slams by not being motivated, I promise. Yeah, I bet. It's a tough, it's amazing. Well, Glenn, mate, I really appreciate the time and you're sharing knowledge to help us create a better future, mate. It, it's been an amazing episode. Mate, how can people reach out to you if they've got a question, Glenn? Is there a way that someone, if they have got a question, can reach out? Well, listen, um, 
oh, three three chatbots, no problem at all. Um, you've got my details as well too. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I sort of really, I sort of never really had anyone. But I'm more than happy to share anything if, if people think I have something to offer. Um, yeah, it's one of those things you always just want to see people be the best they can be. So yeah. Um, yeah, they, they can definitely get a hold of me through the um, Sheffields on the Sunshine Coast um, um, or, or by email or phone. Um, you've got my details there, so if you want to pass them on, I've got no problems at all. Thanks, Glenn. Well, Glenn, thanks so much, mate. I really appreciate the time and everything you're doing, mate. And uh, thanks for helping us create a better future. Thanks for having me.